Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Today I invite you to go with me, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We continue a series called Doing Life Together. I invite you to go to our website after today. We keep the series on our website. If you do uh, Doing Life Together, you can go there. There's also a discussion guide, and that discussion, there's going to be one after today for today's session, and it's going to be focusing specifically in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to, for the next number of weeks, I'm going to be honing in on something more strategic than the actual text on our weekly Doing Life Together series. So when you come, ladies, if you join for Wednesday morning, ladies group, and uh, you meet with Sharon and you talk about uh, Hebrews chapter 12, that's what you will be talking about. And all your questions are on the discussion guide on our website. I'll be doing the same thing on Wednesday night, seven o'clock, you're invited to join, and I'll be doing the same thing. We'll be going through Hebrews 12. It's a whole set of questions, about five or six questions around this where we can discuss it and we can pray together. So that's on Wednesday. But I'm kind of stepping off onto a unique direction for the next few weeks based on this particular uh, session, which is called Growing Deeper in Christ. So we pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have that, let's read it. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, in this, notice that this is a picture of that there are things that will entangle our faith walk with Christ. And that's what, when you were born again, when you invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, you entered, you embarked upon a, a journey. It's a race. He called it a race. The, the run with perseverance, a race marked for us. But there are hindrances. So there's a way to run and there's a way to make sure you don't get snagged in the hindrances. And that's really where we're going in this particular series. Let's just open our, can we just very quickly open this moment in prayer. So Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us to understand what it is that your spirit wants us to learn this morning, not just learn it, but that God, it will resonate in our spirit and be lived out in our lives, we pray. In your name we ask, amen. The disciples, the disciples observed something about Jesus. They, here, here, here are these group of men who've, lived with Jesus for, and we're not quite sure when Luke chapter 11 takes place, but they've lived with Jesus for uh, months, maybe a few years at this point. They have uh, traveled with him. They've heard him speak. They have uh, served with him. They have reached and hurt and impacted the needy. They have addressed those who were pious and filled with pride, and they've resisted the spiritual leadership of the day that was going in the wrong direction. They've observed so much about Jesus that how he was so highly liked and favored among the people. People naturally were drawn to Jesus. They saw his compassion. They saw the genuine care that Jesus demonstrated in his daily life. They watched not only what he spoke, what he lived. He was, he was the package. He was not one thing behind the camera, one thing in front of the cameras and different 
when the cameras weren't on. Jesus was authentic in every area. The disciples had this moment, and a disciple, one of them on behalf of the group, asked this question. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, I'm going to read it. This is what the disciples observed. Here it is. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm going to suggest that in all the things they observed in Jesus, this is the thing they knew if they could understand this, it would, it would set the trajectory in a way that they could be more like Christ. Again, our theme, growing deeper in Christ. And to be like Christ, to be all that he's called us to be, this was the request. Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to teach, not teach us how to be great communicators, not teach us how to be apologists and defend the faith, not teach us how to be more caring to people, not teach us how to serve better, not teach us the leadership principles. That wasn't what they asked. They saw the one thing that would change everything. And they watched this in Jesus. As a matter of fact, this came out of it. It says, when Jesus came out of the prayer, they came to him and said, Lord, we need to understand this. That is a telltale for us, isn't it? The telltale is if we are going to be victorious, if we are going to see success, if we're going to be fruitful, we would probably need to ask the same question. Lord, we've observed your prayer is the key. Of all the things, the prayer. When you come out of prayer, you're different. There's something about your prayer that changes everything. What makes you stand out among the masses is your prayer. And so they asked them this, teach us to pray. Mark 1, 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. They saw in Jesus that the one thing he did more than anything else was pray. I'm going to repeat that. One thing Jesus did more than anything else was pray, not study, not go to conferences or seminars or sit at the feet of rabbis or all that kind of stuff. The one thing he did more than anything else was pray. Over and over, you see Jesus praying. And then out of that, you see his public ministry. Jesus would spend hours each day in prayer with his father before he stepped into the day's activities. And the disciples couldn't help but note that his private, the hours of private prayer, affected what he did in public, affected everything else that he did. He made ministry look so simple and quick, just boom, it happened so quick. But what people didn't see was that he had spent hours with the father prior. And so when Jesus went into, into public ministry, things happened very quickly. Martin Luther once said, when I have a lot to do in a day, I spend more time in prayer because more work is done by prayer than by work itself. One hour with God can accomplish tens of hours of toiling with trying to decide what to do and how to do it. But having spent that time with God, 
sets, again, the trajectory of the rest of what we do. I want to say this. Jesus was naturally supernatural. It came natural. How? He was in the flesh. It came natural because Jesus spent so much time in the spirit realm, in prayer. He went into the place of the prayer closet with his father regularly. And yes, I know in Thessalonians it says, pray without ceasing. And so oftentimes we say, oh, I'm just always in an attitude of prayer. But might I suggest that comes out of the deep places of prayer. It comes out of the deep places. Because if you're just in an attitude, you've, you've heard people say, well, my thoughts and prayers are with you. I usually hear that by thinking, yeah, you'll think of me, but that's about as far as it'll go. And that's not nearly enough. And the disciples knew it. So when the disciples asked the one thing of Jesus, their one request was, Lord, teach us how you pray, because that is where the power comes. That's the victory. Jesus would walk up to a person who was sick for 38 years, and with just, it, it appears, when we read the text in the New Testament, it appears it just be a matter of minutes, and the person would be made healed. He would walk up to a blind person, and, and just with in minutes, their sight was restored. He would go to a person lame and they would walk and it would be minutes, minutes, no more than that. Those who were deaf could hear within minutes. The miraculous took just minutes. And so many times we've assumed that it should only take minutes to do this. But what we miss is he came out of hours. And so those hours with the Father, translated into powerful minutes with the public. And there's a definite correlation. That's what the disciples saw. Teach us, Lord, because what took place back there affects what takes place here. So what we try to do, we try to spend a lot of time right now. We spend a lot of time praying over that particular need, the need, the need, the need, not seeing results without having first understood what took place in the secret place with the Father. The disciples began to grasp that. And it angered the people in Jesus' day. It angered the people around Jesus that he did things so simply and quickly. Because they would go, they were used to charades. You know what I mean by that? Like in that day, they had all kinds of ceremonies and rituals and things they did. Charades, I'm going to call them. In order to evoke God's intervention. In order to get God, it's almost like you had to convince him. You had to beg him. You had to plead with him. You had to, you know, uh, have so many words. It was like taking the arm of God and twisting it behind his back to get him to do something for you. That's what they were used to. And it angered them. And Jesus just walked up and saw miracles happen so quickly. What they missed was what was happening in his prayer life. Uh, you see that the secret to this comes out of his prayer with the Father. Brings me to the second point. Unanswered prayers is a major obstacle. It is a major obstacle today. Outwardly, we agree prayer is worthwhile. But secretly, we say, my prayer is just hitting the ceiling. Nothing's happening. God's mad at me. Why won't he answer me? Why is prayer so fruitless? Or it's so boring. I really, I, I just, I don't have that gift. <laughs> You've heard that. I just don't have that gift, so I don't pray. I mean, maybe for meals, maybe if I'm in a group, I'll pray, but I'm, no, it's not my gifting, so I won't pray. By the way, can I just speak into that? Um, 
prayer is not a spiritual gift, by the way. In intercession, there is the ability to be able to spend extended periods of time in prayer, but prayer is not a spiritual gift. Prayer is a discipline. It's something you learn, and that's what the disciples were understanding in that. They were understanding that, that there's something about learning how to pray from the prayer master. And the question is, shouldn't I expect my prayers to be answered? So unanswered prayer is a major obstacle that stands in the way of effectiveness in our prayer time. Note, I made a note here. We can measure how much the average follower of Jesus really believes in the effectiveness of prayer by the small number of people who join church prayer meetings. Hmm, that's a telltale. When we call a social gathering for people to have food, the numbers will come. When we have maybe a special conference or, or musical production, but when we call people, let's, let's get together and let's pray. <laughs> if you get anybody showing up, it's very few. That's a telltale that we really don't believe prayer makes a big difference. Because if we believed it, it would be a strong crowd that shows up. Lori and I years ago were part of a revival and something in that revival, we noticed the prayer meetings were as strong as every other meeting. People showed up because they knew prayer was powerful. So when we don't see people pray, when we don't get together for prayer times, when we avoid it, we just like disappear. <laughs> we become really silent. Then that means that, well, we're struggling with this. There's an obstacle and it is an obstacle. Uh, when prayers go unanswered, some of the conclusions are we believe maybe God doesn't really care, or we doubt he really loves us enough to answer those prayers, or we doubt his ability. He can't answer. Maybe we question his character. Maybe he's not really that good. We question the integrity of God. If nothing else, we feel that maybe we can't rely on God. Maybe the Bible isn't trustworthy. Maybe God just wants us to suffer through this life. You've probably thought some of those. Brings me to my third point. I want to clear away some early fog around prayer. First of all, when prayer does not bring results, it is, note the word, is an indication that something is wrong. I'm going to say it again. When prayer does not bring results, just don't go on. I know there's teaching out there saying it's not about answers to prayer. It's about that you suffer or you labor long in prayer. And just think through that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. God is not tantalizing us. He's not pushing us into a place where we're going to be just living constant frustration. How does that build up faith? How does that move the kingdom forward? Logically, it just doesn't. And so we often say, well, he just wants us to suffer for this. And I'm not reading physical suffering. I'm just, we would just labor, but that's all that he expects of us. But you know what? I find if that's true, then I really don't believe in what I'm speaking when I pray. I really don't believe in what I'm talking about. I'm a fake. You want to call it for what it is. I'm a fake if that's all that prayer is. If I honestly don't believe he wants to answer prayer, there's a problem with that. First of all, I just won't want to pray. And if I do pray, I won't have heart and I certainly won't have faith behind my prayer. 
When prayer does not bring results, it's an indication something is wrong. God instituted prayer, not simply as a spiritual discipline to suffer through, but that something that he would respond to. It's not to say that answers to our prayers must always be immediate, but it does mean that prayer based on three things, and I'm going to unwrap this in the days ahead, prayer based on three things, based on God's word, based on offered in faith, and based on being in right relationship with him. Prayer based on that, are they are answered. They are answered in his timing, in his way, but they are answered, those prayers. God answers as soon as we ask, and he reveals those answers in his timing. Luke 18, 1. They should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. So when prayer does not bring results, it is an indication something's wrong. Let's go to the second part here regarding some of the problems we have with this. God is faithful to answer prayer. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, and it will be yours. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received. You just don't conjure that up. You just don't work it up. You don't repeat it 10 times, and it's magically brought into place. There's a place that the disciples again have observed. Help us to understand how to get there. C. God's will and word do work when they are understood and put into practice. Prayer is meant to be answered, or else God would not ask us to pray. God isn't interested in wasting my time. He's not interested in, in just your suffering. God is interested in results, not just many words. As a matter of fact, Matthew 8, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. You know, on and on and on, long prayers, long prayers, long prayers, on, you go on, you go on. Somehow, you know, we're going to so bore God that he will have to answer us. And he says, no, don't, don't do that. That's what the pagans do. And in here, sometimes we have defaulted to that type of belief system. John chapter eleven forty one. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You've already heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Know what Jesus said there early. I thank you, you have heard me. I knew you always hear me. So the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. This is one big question the disciples knew that if they got it answered, they would see effectiveness in how Jesus lived his life. Prayer does not come out automatically. Luke 11, verse 1, we come back to this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to just, three things here. No, one day Jesus was praying. The disciples were present. They weren't involved in that prayer. They were watching Frequently in the Gospels, you read when Jesus is praying, you see him praying alone. You see him connecting with the Father alone. I believe it was intentional. Jesus, that time alone with God. It's not enough just to be in corporate prayer and let that be our prayer life, but that should flow out of our private time. Secondly, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, meaning 
We need instruction. And it's good to have this instruction. Jesus did not reprimand them for asking this. As a matter of fact, he was glad. You just see the way he flowed after this. He was glad they asked. It was not like it was like about time you asked. They were raised Jews. They they saw prayers. They'd been around prayers, rabbis praying and people praying and priests praying. They'd been around prayers all their life. But there's one thing about people praying, and there's another thing when Jesus prayed. And they noticed when Jesus prayed, something happened. Then just praying that's taking place around us. They were compelled to know more. And Jesus said, when you pray. In essence, Jesus was agreeing with the disciples. They need to learn. It, they need to learn how to pray. I used to believe that prayer is just communicating with God. And I've actually said that. Prayer is talking with God. Now, that's not altogether wrong, but it is far from complete. Prayer is much more than just talking to God. Here's what I put a statement here. Prayer is approaching God in order to ask him to accomplish his will on this earth. Note that. It's approaching God to ask him to accomplish his will. It's not just asking. It's not just chatting. That's a part of it. But the fundamental purpose of prayer is taking his will, we approach him, and bring his will before him. I like what Dr. Miles Monroe said. He said, prayer is our earthly license for heavenly interference. I like that. It's my job. I have a license. You know, if you have a license to drive a vehicle, right? It's your right. You've earned that right. We, under the blood of Christ, as children of God, if you're not a child of God, you don't have that right. But as a child of God, we have a right to approach him because of the blood that has been prepared, the way has been prepared for us. We come before the Father, and it's, it's as if we were able to say, we we're able to pull the badge, our license, and we say, Lord, here's what you said. Here's what your word has decreed. And so it's bringing his word back before the Father, not to, to convince him or to, to persuade him. When the two come together, prayer again is our heavenly license, it's our obligation and authority for him to intervene. Because he said he won't intervene if we do not approach and ask according to his will, according to his word. And, and so we go to his prayer, and we know the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 2, 3, and 4 is the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to invite you. We're going to read this. Can you just read it where you are, sitting in your living room, kitchen, or wherever you might be? I'm going to invite you to read this. This is coming from the New King James Version. It's going to be a little different if you grew up in school reading or saying or reciting the Lord's Prayer. It's going to be just a little bit different, but it's fairly close. I'm going to just follow the words. Let this, we know this prayer. So just go ahead and say it out loud. Verse two. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Go ahead and say it with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day, our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation. And of course, it would continue on, deliver us from the evil one. And then we add to it, yours is the king and the power and the glory. We add that to that. It's appropriate to do so. That was the prayer. 
that he said to the disciples. Now, it was more than just a bunch of words. And I'm just going to go through the words, and we're going to, again, unwrap this. We're going to go into that because there are hindrances. There are obstacles to prayer that we have to look at. And there is a right to get the license to go before him to say, Father, I ask for your heavenly intervention. We have to know what hinders us because there are so many hindrances that keep us from doing that. And then to know what is my right. What did he provide for me? What's involved in that license? How do I get that license? How do I approach him with that assurance that he will answer prayer? So in the prayer that he gave us, I'm just going to go through it very quickly. I'm not going to spend much time. Many of you have done studies on this, and it's worth going back through the studies. This is what Jesus said very quickly. Our Father, our. You picture here, it's not just us. It's about others. Prayer is not about me. That could be revolutionary right there. It's not just our Father. He is our source. Did you notice it didn't say Jesus? Uh, I'm not really, I don't think God is like horribly confused, but can we just be a bit more correct when we pray? I've had to, when I talk with students sometimes and, and, and those who I work with in leadership areas and when they pray, sometimes I just quietly off the side and say, you know, when you start, you're just saying, Jesus, we ask you, Actually, biblically speaking, we're talking to the Father. Jesus is the power of attorney. We'll talk about this in the days ahead. He's, he's the attorney at the right hand, but the Father is the just judge. We're talking to him, not our attorney. And so when we always talk to Jesus, it's actually, again, I don't think God's going, you did it wrong, but we can do it more correctly. Jesus said, our Father. And throughout, you see in the, in the in book of Acts, and in the epistles, it was always Father. You could say our Heavenly Father or Father, but you are approaching the Father, not just Jesus. You're approaching the Father. Father, in Him, we go to our need. Secondly, in heaven, prayer is not earthly. And you are recognizing that you need help outside the earthly realm. Father in heaven. I need heavenly interference there's a spiritual realm we fight not against flesh and blood but against spirits and principalities and power we enter into a realm we can't see when we pray and might i just put this in i'm going to talk about this again in the days ahead but when we pray do you here's a question i need to ask you do you believe in angels and you know no i don't mean michael landon and you know or you know touched by an angel those are okay but I talk about real angels. Uh, you know, not an angel gets his wing every time they do a good job. We just saw that in, you know, Christmas story. But real angels. Well, the Bible says they're real angels. And we're not going to get into a study on angelology, but angels are ministering spirits on behalf of the Father. We don't pray to angels. We don't ask angels anything. But when we pray, they're servants of the Father. They're released to do the heavenly bid. So there's activity in the spiritual realm. So when we pray, Father in heaven, we recognize there's something going on here. It's outside the earthly realm that I can, my five senses that I can, you know, see, taste, hear, all that stuff. Something is happening. I enter into that place. Hallowed be thy name. We stay there. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, holy is your name. I have, when I put this study together, I have been reading the uh, book of Hebrews from the Bible. Uh, it just happened to be in the sequence I was reading. And, and 
the book of Hebrew was written to a people that were praying to angels. They were people that felt Jesus was kind of on the same par of angels, maybe even a little less than angels. Uh, he was a good teacher. He was an angel. They, and, and so the writer to the Hebrews is saying, no, he is sovereign, raises the sovereignty of the Father and of the Son. And it's a tremendous book. And so I've, I've got commentaries and I've been, uh, it'll take me a week how enriching it has been to me to do this. Because I see that in the Old Testament, they would compare in the Old Testament that the priests would, once a year, the high priest would quickly run into the presence of the holy place on Yom Kippur. And they would go through all the ceremony. They would have to cleanse for themselves. And then they would get into the holy of holies and get out as fast as they could. And that was, it was almost as if God was, was covering his eyes. You know, you can come in because he set himself to these regulations, but get out quickly because they're still sinners. But when Jesus finished the work and he rose from the dead, having shed his own blood and he went before the father, not unlike the high priest, he's referred to in Hebrews as the great high priest. And when he approached the father, the father fully embraced Jesus. And when Jesus came into his presence, Jesus never left. The Bible says, Hebrews says, he sat down at the right hand. He stayed there. It was fully accomplished. Now, that, now if we can grab a hold of the sovereignty and the awesomeness and the wonder of God, then our prayers begin to take on a whole new depth and richness. We are approaching not just a buddy God, not a fearful God. We're approaching a hallowed God. Hallowed be your name. And so when we sang the songs we did today and, and in these next few weeks, we're going to be going through the names of God, the names of Jesus, because he describes himself, his hallowedness in his names. That's the approach. And there's something about just embracing how great he really is. Well, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our interest is not simply on my needs. My interest is on what his kingdom's about. It's not my earthly domain. We're asking God, we want what you want. That's our purpose in coming in prayer. Father, what do you want to happen here on earth? And we bring that before him. That's the power of prayer, Jesus was saying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So we bring his plan, his word to bear what's happening around us. Give us our daily bread. Yes, it's talking about food, but it's also talking about all provision. And when it says, give us our daily bread, it, it's, the reference is everything that brings us provision, that he is the source. And it goes to, if you think of food itself, it goes right to preparing the ground, the farmers, the seed that's sown, the preparation, the weeding of everything, and the bringing in the harvest. If it's about our income, it's about our work, it's about our provisions, it's about everything behind it. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Jesus makes a little switch here. He's dealing with relationships. Note that. Forgive us our sins as, as in relation to as we forgive others. And he's calling us to account here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
he's putting into the place, he says, how you live and your relationship with others will and does affect your prayers. So when you go into that place, constantly deal with unforgiveness, deal with maliciousness, deal with hatred, deal with bitterness, deal with maliciousness, deal with that stuff, deal with your vengeance in spirit, in heart. You got to deal with that. You got to deal with your relationships, heart and actual, when it comes to other people. Then he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he's calling us saying, listen, uh, not that God pushes us into temptation, but as we walk with him and keep in step with him, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will walk where death is all around us. We will walk into perils. You've heard it said many times that you become a threat to the enemy when you become on fire for God. When you're on fire for God, all of a sudden, it seems like everything, all hell breaks out against you. Well, of course it will to stop you. So when hell does break out against you, when temptations rise up, God, keep me vigilant. Keep me alert. Keep me on track. Have my, help my eyes to see these things. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Put it to the next screen. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And this is where we come back and we worship the Father again. We are basically saying, God, I know you're going to answer this prayer. Therefore, I'm thanking you ahead of time. I'm giving you the glory for all that's about to happen. To you be all the glory. And the disciples would enter in on a journey of understanding the secret behind prayer. Did they get it? Yeah. We read the book of Acts. They got it. And what became the single greatest threat to the work of darkness throughout the book of Acts was they operated in the power and the authority of Jesus' name. What was that? They knew, they tapped in to the power of prayer because effectiveness began to flow from their lives. I'm going to enter into a series. We're just going to close this down now. In a moment, we're going to go to communion. But I'm going to, I've been doing vlogs for the last 10 months, and I'm going to start on, I believe it's on January the 14th, uh, about uh, maybe three or, or so vlogs, regarding spiritual warfare and it's in relation to the topic we're on right here uh and so spiritual I encourage you you'll get it on the 14th 15th you can go into our website go down to uh the vlog and and you'll be able to, or not sorry not that it'll be an it'll be on our um our facebook uh instagram you'll be able to see what our vlog is i'm going to talk about uh i have been practicing for day one I started in the ministry where I discovered there are three weapons spiritual weapons that are launched through four launch pads and this has just helped me in so many ways and I've been waiting to share this and I believe the time is now as we start into 2021 that the weapons of our warfare are the word of God and I'll unpack that in the vlog the name of Jesus and the power of the blood uh, these are so key, uh, and, and again, each one so key, but they are released through prayer. I call these the launch pads. This launches those weapons. Prayer will launch preaching. I believe there's a difference between a talk, a homily, an essay, and proclamation of God's word. Praise and worship. Praise and worship, powerful. We're gonna, that is it's true. And testimony, powerful testimony. 
that. Those launch the word, the name, and the blood of Jesus, the weapons that we have at our disposal. We're going to enjoy, I think, going through that. And I think it's going to bring some breakthrough in our lives. And I'm believing that and praying for that as we enter through the gates of 2021 for spiritual breakthrough. Let's pray. So, Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name. And we come with the assurance that if we ask the same things the disciples asked, with sincerity of heart, that God, as we seek to understand what it is to carry that earthly license and to present it to you so that you might interfere with the affairs here on earth, that God, we can have full assurance you will do just that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.